Welcome to the Energetic Radio Podcast. My name is Dale Sidebottom. Each week, I'll bring you inspirational guests who will help you bring fun, energy, and purpose into your lives. Let the show begin. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, episode number 263 with Magic Barclay. How are you, Magic? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. Now, we had a brilliant chat before. You are in Melbourne now. We are recording this. This will be out in probably a month's time from when we're recording it. But how was your long weekend? We've just come off a long weekend. Did you have a nice break? I actually didn't know it was a long weekend. (laughs) I work pretty much every day. So um, I only knew it was a long weekend when I went to the post office and it was closed. So there you go. So Australia Australia Post was uh, was your doing there that uh, found out that you had an extra day. Yep, totes. It was, uh, funny that too. I was in Adelaide um, over the weekend working and um, they say, oh, are you going to stick around for the long weekend? And I actually didn't know either. So I think that's probably pretty bad from both of us there, Magic. <laughs> no, I just think it goes to show that we go with the flow. We take it every day and, you know, the positive is we don't subscribe to you must have a day off today. I, I think that's well, I really don't. important. Well, no, 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 I think it's that every day, you know, should be a weekend. Every day should be something to look forward to that, you know, you shouldn't just be suppressing five days of your week and going, yes, now it's the weekend. I can have fun. Um, yeah. So I, I'm full for that. So before we get into, we're going to talk about so much because you are one of the most fascinating people I think I've ever come across magic. Um, and not only that, kudos to you for what we're going to talk about today, you know, what you've been able to overcome, your resilience, adversity uh, is incredible. Um, and I know we're just talking about this before that after two years of different circumstances, people are probably, there's a lot of people that are still struggling, um, a lot of people that don't know where to turn to. And um, I think hopefully today that might, you might be able to just share some of your insider stories or the brave things that you have done over the years. So let's start with your childhood. You you were black sheep, you thought. It was pretty rough from early days. Yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was three and uh, I became like the political football between them. So did my brother, but, you know, he was older so he could cope with it a bit better. And, you know, I was actually my brother's carer. He was undiagnosed Asperger. Now I have a child that's got that. And uh, so now I know what I was looking at with my brother. So, you know, it was kind of me carrying the can for both of us. And, you know, you'd get told at one access visit with one parent, don't eat that, that's how she eats it. And then, you know, you'd come home to the other one and you'd be in clothes. Who bought those clothes? I didn't buy them. Get those off straight away. You're not wearing them in my home. And it was kind of no one ever said, hey, how was your weekend? How was your access visit? Where did you go? Did you have fun? Is there anything you need to talk about? Like none of that kind of went on. So... I didn't really learn what a relationship was early on. I didn't have a relationship with myself because no one ever asked me about me. I thought I have to be something for someone else all the time. But I also didn't see an adult relationship apart from my grandparents. Don't get me wrong. I was exposed to the best relationship ever. My nana and papa adored each other. They adored me. Like that was great, but I wasn't with them all the time. So, you know, the, caregivers that I was with all the time were just full of animosity and hatred and negative energy and so that's what I thought had to happen so you know rolling through my younger years and into my teens 
I really hated who I was because I didn't know who I was. You know, I, I was always someone else's tool for use. And I became quite self-destructive, very promiscuous, drinking very early, tried smoking, but couldn't get the hang of it. So it's probably not a bad thing. Me, I ruled that one out. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I overdid it with the alcohol instead. And, you know, I still got good grades at school and, you know, everything was great. I had always had my dream job set ahead of me, wanted to be a vet, but I didn't know how to handle difficult people that weren't my family because they were who I was surrounded with. And I had a teacher who said, no matter what you do, I'm going to fail you in physics. I don't like you. And so at that stage, being a vet, you needed physics. So I was like, poop, now what? I have to reinvent myself. So this is where the reinvention started. So early on, I'm like, what do I do? I love drinking. I love alcohol. Could be a job in that. Let's do that. So got into hospitality. Again, didn't know who I was. So I didn't know about self-care or anything. So I became like one of those A-type people. Not only was I going to work in a bar, I was going to manage the bar. So, you know, I would do that, get myself to that level really quickly and then like well now what I don't feel any more fulfilled I can't actually drink on the job so well (laughs) that didn't go as planned you know so I really had to start reinventing myself I got into um, racing cars and loved it absolutely loved it and met a guy there and he put me on a pedestal He was like the puppy dog following me around. Everything I wanted, I got. I was being told I was beautiful all the time. Not that I'm a vain person at all. And if your listeners could see me now, I'm sitting here like a hippie chick with my Tesla plate on and, you know, my curly hair just going kind of wild. We all love that though, Magic. We all, it doesn't, we're not, it is so nice when people say they love you. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, whoever you are. Like, that's just something that's so beautiful about that. Totally. And it made me feel so elevated and so good, but I couldn't see what was behind it. Because remember, I'd never really had a relationship with anyone, including me. And I was anorexic at the time too. I had been anorexic for a number of years. So, you know, here was this guy telling me how fantastic, how fantastic I was. And uh, I went, wow, he must really love me. This must be what love is. Sure enough, a couple of months later, we got married. Wow. So sorry, sorry to cut you off. So within two months of meeting someone that was like, was it that quick? I think from way to go, it was about six months. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. And and that really just does show that, you know, your your vision of what something is like. You just had no idea and you thought this is how it is. No idea. Yeah. None whatsoever. Wow. So married him and pretty much straight away I was pregnant. And I couldn't be anorexic anymore because I had a little life inside me. So I stopped my obsessive eating patterns and stopped punishing myself with food and, of course, stopped drinking and gained a ton of weight, like a ton of weight. Didn't have a relationship with food either. Not only not with myself, but not with food and not with sobriety. But this little life form, you know, needed me to, get my shit together so I did you did yeah and when my child was born I realized my husband was jealous I wasn't his plaything on a pedestal anymore 
Oh, so so the narcissistic behaviour didn't occur until you had a child, like that. Well, there were signs, but, but not, not. I couldn't full see on. it. Oh no! Wow. So Is you that, know. Uh, sorry to cut you off again. I'm just finding no, this so fascinating, right, like because. So he did he sort of like control you like that it was just you and him so you weren't sharing you with anyone so then when there was someone else like but it was both your babies like it's his as well that he didn't know how to handle that well while I was pregnant obviously I had to stop work I got really really sick and I stacked the weight on so I just I couldn't move you know and I got gestational diabetes so I was really quite unwell through the pregnancy and he would phone me like 20 times a day. And at first I thought that was really sweet. He loves me so much. He cares about me. Well, when my child was born and then, you know, a couple of years later, my second child was born, I would be changing nappies. I had two in nappies at one stage and I would have baby poop up my arms and the phone would (laughs) ring. And if I didn't get to it, like the phone would keep ringing. Where were you? Why weren't you answering the phone? What were you doing? Um, I had two dirty nappies to change, you know, they were synchronised wetting and pooing. So, you know, like I was busy. Don't talk back to me. When I I ring, you answer. And I'd say, well, what have you been doing? Oh, I was working and I went to the tea room and I read the paper, I had my lunch and I'm thinking, oh, my God, I haven't even had a cup of coffee. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, when am I going to get this poo off my hands? I've got a one and a half, one and a half year old. And if he's shat himself, there's, I'm not thinking about anything. Talk about mindfulness. That is mindfulness because I'm present. I am changing that nappy and trying to get the poo off me. I'm not worried about speaking to anyone on the phone. Right. Especially with little boys. Cause if you don't change that nappy, like, you know, you're in some speed competition in the Olympics <laughs> for changing nappies. You're going to cop a face full of weed. So, <laughs> you know, with two of those, it was kind of pretty full on. But I still couldn't see what was gurgling on there. And, of course, when the second child came along, my time was completely taken. And I adore my kids. Like, they're grown men now, but I'm still besotted with them. I, I still go to their room, watch them sleep. Like, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. That kid is so amazing. <laughs> I you created know? that. Yeah. And that's, yep, that's amazing. That's that. beautiful. Yes. <laughs> I lost my body to that. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth it, though. Totally. Well, yeah, no, totally. I have to think about that sometimes. But um, so, yeah, so he was phoning me like 20, 30, 40 times a day. If we would go out on a like a family night out, of course, I'd be fussing over the kids the whole time. And he'd be like, I asked you a question, answer me. I'd be like, oh, that's not so good. And then the your beautifuls kept going. But if he told me I was beautiful, something else would happen afterwards because he kept telling me I was his property. See that ring on your finger? I own you. You're nothing without me. You know, all this kind of thing. So this was going on for a long time. And the way I treated that for myself was telling myself I had to stay because I came from a split family and I didn't want my kids to be the political football. And I also wanted my kids to have both mum and dad. I thought that was super important, male and female. I know that's not popular these days, but, you know, masculine and feminine energy had to both be in this this mix. And so I stayed and I kept telling myself, 
oh, you know, he doesn't mean to hurt me. He doesn't mean to help himself to me after I've said no or if I've got the flu or whatever. Like, I, he still loves me. I must be really a person still because mother of his kids will just stay because I'm blowing this out of proportion. Don't get me wrong, I wasn't the nicest person either because I don't know if you're into astrology, but I'm a Taurian and I'm really a Taurian. Like, you know, muck me around and I'm going to hold that grudge till the end of days (laughs) because, you know, that's the way it goes. And so I was, you know, starting to antagonise the situation. I'm not saying to anyone out there that that was my fault. That was the only way I could react at the time. So I was like, well, if you do X, Y, Z, I'm going to do ABC. And then he'd do X, Y, Z even harder. I'd go, oh, that didn't work. Now what? So I would hide away sometimes. I would cover it up. I didn't let people around me know what was going on. Just wanted to protect my kids. And, you know, the kids, I think, when they were about, I'm trying to remember back now, it's been a while, (laughs) they were about 11 and 13. And I'd spent two years living on the couch because I couldn't stay in the bedroom. And they said, listen, we're scared. Can we all sleep together? So we would sleep huddled up on one of the kids' mattresses. And when they were about 11 and 13, my elder one said to me, "Um, you know when you're not here, we carry tools around. Wow. And I'm like, what sort of tools? And he goes, oh, my little brother's sharpened a stick and sticky taped a sharpened rock to the end of it. So he's got an axe. And I just use a stick. And I'm like, whoa, not cool. So not cool. How did that, but obviously you've, you've just figured out a way to, you know, let the, the torment and the bullying and the, 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 everything going on by your husband. But how does that feel when that's, you know, the two things that you care most about in the world that say that? It was heart wrenching. It was really Mm. heart wrenching. You know, I'd, tried to get my body back I'd started a gym and you know so I was really focused on me and then to come home and hear these two little beings tell me they're scared in their own home and that it's happening now to them I was like no we're out of here we're leaving so I made up stories to the ex about we have to paint the house so I'd start boxing stuff up um you know I'd start selling stuff off and uh oh you know decluttering and all this kind of thing and thank goodness at the time he fell for it and so most of our stuff was getting put in boxes so I could you know in inverted commas paint the house and um yeah one day he went off to the gym in the morning before work and a truck rolled up 20 minutes after he left and we started packing up our lives so kids me dogs cats and all the furniture that I'd taken to the marriage um, left. And that wow. was it. And did, did he, so from that, and I know you probably talk about this, but it was four years of like a lot of courts and, um, you know, custody battles and things like that. Did, uh, did he come after you? Like, did he try and find you? Oh, did he what? He oh. hired um, people to follow me. I was getting like 20 pizza orders delivered to my door. My water was being cut off at the mains. 
I was being followed everywhere. Like you name it. He created a, a hate page on me. Like you name it. It happened. I went through four different courts. Um, yeah, four years of the divorce as well. So I actually had cancer, stage four cancer. So once I left, now, you know, we say to people, there's a blessing in everything. You've got to look for it. If I hadn't left, I wouldn't have known I had cancer because when I left, I felt so awful. I had zero energy to even cook. My kids would drag a chair to the stove so I could sit down and cook them dinner. And, you know, I found out I had stage four cancer. If I hadn't left, I wouldn't have known that. So you would you wouldn't have been you know, able to deal like you would have just died like you would have that, yeah. like you wouldn't have known at all wouldn't have known no wouldn't have known oh. so he did me a favor by pushing me out because you know I had multiple conditions that were considered terminal and I wouldn't have known any of them had I not left so you know if there's anything I can ever thank him for it's for being the person that made me leave and look at what was going on in my life. Oh, but when you say that, to, like after all those years, 14 years of being treated like that, to finally have the courage to, to leave and, and you knew what was going to happen. And like you just said, all that bullying and tormenting from not only him, but other people that you had to, you know, live through. Um, like what, do you look back now and just think how brave you were to leave? Because I'm sure people are listening and they'd love that courage to be able to do that. Look, I was brave, yes, and I can see that now. But there were a number of years that I just went, why didn't I do that sooner? And I was beating mm. myself up about it. Yeah. And, it, you know, it wasn't probably till actually recently, you know, when this whole lockdown rubbish started and, you know, all this, I actually was reading the news not that I read it very often because I don't believe it but you know there was some reports early on in the piece with the pandemic of you know women found buried under their house and stuff like that and I went wow if I hadn't left and I was there now me and the kids we'd be dead and no one would know not a single soul would know. So all I can say to people, if it's, if it's not right, it's not right. Leave, get out, you'll survive. I did. He dragged me through all the courts, dragged out the divorce, played me like a fiddle by going after the kids for access. He never wanted the kids. Yeah. He'd always said, if you ever leave me and put these kids in state care. Mm, he I'd knew forgotten that because when... I was so emotional in court. He's going for access. Mm. And so I lost everything else. I lost all the assets, but hey, I've got the kids. So even now I can look back and go, you know what? I won. I may be broke. I may not have my own home, you know, but I won because I've got these two young men in my life that I will do anything for and they will do anything for me. He doesn't even know who they are. Yeah, He's missing the greatest thing on earth. And that is these two quirky, interesting individuals. And, you know, the whole time I've said to them, no matter what he's done, he's still your dad. If you want to talk to him, you can. I'm just not taking you there. You have to find your own way there. And, you know, all these years, like we've been free now for nine years, and all these years later they're like, can you stop saying that? <laughs> we we couldn't think any, but, anywhere worse to yeah. go. <laughs> we don't want to be anywhere near him. We don't care about him. To us, he's dead. 
You've done the right thing. We get it. You've said the right thing. Let it go. Stop saying it. Isn't it? Isn't it funny though that you think deep? Like there's that ingrained in you that that you're trying to help them, but you've done the biggest thing ever, and and they've seen it firsthand. Well, then they're not carrying weapons around anymore. They feel safe, and they would be so proud of you for actually packing up and leaving. Like it's. Uh, but isn't it funny our mentality that we think we're still got to try and offer or be that it's it's weird, isn't it? It is. It is. And you know what? They are amazing human beings. I know I'm a biased old mum, but, <laughs> you know, they are pretty amazing and uh, have their moments. But, no, most of the time they're amazing. And that is the greatest payoff for all of this. But also, like I said, I found out I was sick so I could do something about it. So through all of that, there's always some good coming from it. But the best good that came from it all was I got in touch with who I am. I finally developed a relationship with self. I finally developed a healthy relationship with food and with alcohol and, you know, with me. That was the main thing. So now, like you were saying, you know, earlier on about the public holiday, I don't subscribe to the whole cram all the work into five days and have a weekend because I remember when I was doing that and I'd get to Monday and go, the heck did I do on a weekend? Yeah. feels like I haven't even had a break. And you're back into it. So now it. every day is a weekend, but every day is a work day as well. And it's to my own liking. It's to my own timing because no longer am I conforming into someone else's prison. I'm just Oof. not doing it. That's uh, magic. That is probably one of the most powerful things people could hear that, uh, you know, being in control of your decisions, your time, and your energy. Um, it's not easy to say that though. And it's not easy, you know, to form those positive relationships with yourself, because I think too often we can blame other people and go through everything, but we, the way we talk to ourselves, the way we handle ourselves is disgusting. We'd never ever do that to anybody else. So for you to take control and actually say that is brilliant because let's go, you're a cancer survivor, limp disease, stroke, diabetes, heart attack, hypothesis. Oh, you, like, is there anything you haven't been thrown at? Have you been hit by cars or trucks? Or, well, like, how are you still here? Imagine no, I haven't just... been hit by a car or a truck and I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't I don't think you will because you've had so, like, you've overcome so much. So you were extremely resilient. Um, Once you left though and you realised you had cancer, was that just, I know you look at it now as, like, that was, it was the greatest gift he gave you. But at the time, you're probably like, what else can go wrong? Like, how, how did you just... Or it's like, like I can imagine now you're saying it is a gift and I totally agree because you are here, but at the time it mustn't have felt like that. No, at the time, um, you know, I, I liken the time, the moment that the surgeon said, you know, it's cancer and it's stage four and we have to operate. Um, I liken that to me being the chicken exorcist, you know, when her head spins around on her shoulders, 360. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Yeah. And I actually wasn't going to have the surgery I was already looking into natural health and throwing myself into that and I wanted to treat it naturally um, but because we're going through the court system the courts basically said well if you don't have at least the surgery we're going to declare you an unfit mother because you're not putting your kids first yep. so I had the surgery I didn't have chemo or radiation after that I drew the line and went hey you know, I did something you wanted. Now you do something I want. If I can't get it under control now, then all power to you. But 
I want two years to do this. And uh, so, you know, I did it naturally after that. Um, but, yeah, you know, did I think it was a great thing at the time? No. I really thought my life was ending. And the hardest thing I've ever had to do was not leaving my ex. It was, you know, not sorting my parents into their own little boxes and saying, you do you, I'll do me. It was watching my kids' faces when I said, mummy might not be here next year. Wow. Now we're like, where are you going, mum? Uh, I might die. And so here's my insurance papers. My funeral's all paid for. Here's what you have to do with the cats, the dogs. Here's who's taking everyone. Sell all this stuff off. Now, at this stage, they were 12 and 14. Wow. Watching their little faces try and take in this information was the hardest thing I've ever done. Do, um, do you ever talk about that with them? Um, like that situation, because uh, oh, I can imagine that's that's a pretty traumatic sort of experience to go through it. You know what? They'd be in grade six and maybe year seven or eight. Like uh, that's something that not many kids their age would ever have to even contemplate. Yeah, look, we do talk about it. I work a lot now with trauma. So, you know, I've used my techniques with the kids and we have discussed it. And I've said, how do you feel about what happened? And when this happened, what did that mean to you? And what does it mean to you now? And, you know, they're pretty in touch with themselves. They're like, well, it was what it was at the time, but we kind of didn't believe you about you wouldn't be here in 12 months because we know you better than that. <laughs> so, you know, they were already like, bring it on. Now, nah, she's just scared at the moment. Let her get this out of her system. She'll come back. She'll rally. And when I did, they were like, we knew you had it. It's all good. <laughs> I, I, that's just hearing that's incredible magic. You know, like that's that's what they'd seen you already go through. So, like, they thought cancer, what's that after you? After everything you'd probably overcome. They're like, she's a cat. Pretty much. She's, she's probably got five lives left. This will just take one of them, but she's going to keep going. But they used to make a joke, you know, like, oh, you know how cats have nine lives supposedly? Well, mum's got more than that. <laughs> like she just, you can't get rid of her. And I'd be like listening and I'd say, that's right. You can't get rid of me. I remember that. And oh. so, you know, they were like, when we're older, she's still going to be calling us baby. She's still going <laughs> to want to kiss and cuddle us. Like, we're just stuck with her. She's here. That's it. Oh, I love that. So I think one of the hardest things that obviously you've overcome all those health conditions, you know, your upbringing, uh, a narcissistic relationship. One of the hardest things on people that haven't come face adversity in their life magic is actually being able to love yourself, you know, be able to look in the mirror and be really happy with the person you are. So how, how did you go about that? Like what, I'm sure it didn't just happen overnight and it would have been a lot of hard work, but um, do you want to talk us through that please? Yeah, well, it's still hard work. So yeah, through all my yep. weight struggles, you know, going from anorexic to super morbidly obese to normal to just obese, like, you know, I've kind of gone up and down like a roller coaster. Um, but I developed body dysmorphia. So even now, if I go shopping, I have to take a trusted friend. I have a couple of friends that I know if I look shit in something, they're going to tell, tell me. You. If I look yep. good in something, they're going to tell me. If I go to pick something off the rack that they just think is like really no way they'll just smack it out of my hand like you know <laughs> so um you know it's good to have friends that are honest like that it is very true but yeah I still have a problem looking in the mirror and seeing myself 
that's probably my only issue at the moment, but I love who I am. I love who I stand for. And, you know, I love that I'm polarising. Some people see that as a bad thing. When I first meet people, I'll either really love you or I will hate you. And if I hate you, you usually prove me right. Like when the hairs on the back of my neck stand up, I'm like, that's not my person. They're someone else's. That's not mine because you're going to do something to prove me right. I know you are. And that always happens. So, you know, I've really learned who I am, but I've learned to love what I stand for. Whilst I'm not particularly fond of what I see in the mirror, I love what's on the inside. And I love that people can come to me and get an honest answer. You know, my kids, for example, one of them the other day, um, it's his birthday coming up and he wanted to do something for his birthday. And I said, okay, well, we can do that. But, you know, it's super expensive to go there. And he goes, I'm worth it. Take it or leave it. I went, yeah, you are. Like he's the epitome of I love me and it doesn't matter what you think of it. Yeah. And where did he learn that? I taught him. So I have to kind of remember that about myself that, yeah, some people think I'm polarizing, but that's okay because the right people will be attracted and the wrong people will be polarized. So Mm. whatever, you know, it's not my, not my issue. Well, it's, it's very true that it's like if you try and please everybody, you end up pleasing nobody. And if you try and, if you're in business or something and you try and create something that's going to be perfect for everyone, you know, unless you're Steve Jobs and create an iPhone, then you really got no hope. Do you know what I mean? Like you, and I think that you're saying that, you know, that you meet someone and it puts the hairs on your neck. You've got a bullshit meter or reader from, you've had the best apprenticeship that probably anybody's ever had magic. So if anybody could pick that, I'd say it'd be you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, sometimes I get it wrong, but you know, we all live and we learn. But, yeah, you know, you were saying um, about Chasing Perfect. I can't remember. It may have been Steve Jobs. I can't remember who said it, but someone said, you know, perfect is the enemy of good. Yeah. So if you're chasing perfect, you're not going to see all the good that's happening along the way and nothing will ever be perfect. And if that's what you're chasing, you know, if I can get your listeners to listen to one thing, if you're chasing perfect, you're going to miss all the things along the way. And a whole lot of good is better than one thing perfect. Mm, and I think when you're chasing anything, you actually miss everything anyway because you're living in the future. You're not present. Exactly. Live in what you've got today. Like as we speak, it's oh, it's a balmy six degrees Celsius. <laughs> and uh, the sun's <laughs> peeking through the clouds. And, you know, it's like what, what good can happen today? Well, the fact is I can go outside. I can freeze myself to death, but, you know, I can still go outside and enjoy the birds and the bees. And, yes, there are still bees in winter. And, uh, you know, my trees swaying. And and if it starts raining, I'll get to smell the essential oils coming out of the leaves. And I told you I'm sitting here like a hippie chick. But if you're into the city kind of lifestyle, then you can go out and you can listen to the noise of the city and, you know, maybe where you're living there's lights in the trees at night you can go and see those or you know there'll be something that you can obviously I'm not a city person I don't know what's there but um, (laughs) there'll be something that you can pull out of today and that's something I learned when I was really sick the worst I was feeling there was still something good so when I had zero energy I would make a cup of tea 
sit on a chair and table outside my front door, like on a veranda, and watch the trees. Yep. And, you know, it might sound a bit loony that that's nah, not something to look forward to. No. Nah. But I think so many of us walk around not seeing what's around us. Yep. Yep. And, and that's, I couldn't agree more. And exactly what you just mentioned there, there's so many forms of gratitude and way people can practice it. And that's probably going back and stripping it to the basic, you know, right back to the basic nature and just being grateful where you are. Um, you know, that I think if you're going to start a gratitude practice or things like that, then, then start at the simplest. Don't like, that's exactly what you're doing. And then you're feeling it, you're getting the senses of it. And again, it comes back to that magic word present like that. That's what it comes down to. Totally. And if you really struggle with yourself, like I have, and you know, like I continue to struggle with the reflection in the mirror, something um, a coach friend of mine got me to do one day was have a journal at the side of my book uh, bed. And in this journal book, write down, I'm grateful today because my legs could carry me. I'm grateful today because my eyes could see things. Like I'm grateful today because my hair kept my head warm. So, you know, there's always somewhere you can start, no matter how small. Yeah. And, and, and like you just said, it's on you. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to be the one that starts this. You're the one that needs to make the change. It's nobody else. Like if you're looking out there for somebody else to come in and magically go, ah, yep, you'll be amazing today. You're going to love yourself and the world's going to be brilliant. It's not going to happen. No, definitely not. You, you, you can't you, wait for someone else to keep holding you up because their arms are going to get tired. Mm. Yeah, yep, totally agree. Now, Magic, obviously, People are listening to your story and they could probably relate to maybe one aspect, not all of it. Um, they may have had a bad upbringing. They may have been in a toxic relationship. They may have been a survivor of multiple health conditions or one. Um, to hear your story and where you've overcome and what you're doing now, do you want to talk about the work you're doing, your podcast, um, and where people can just reach out to you? Because I know you've got a really nice offer for listeners today on a free call just to you know touch base and and sort of get to hear people's stories and where they're at. So where can we find you? Yep. So what I do now for the listeners' information is I work in natural health. I work with identifying root cause of how people got sick. And once we do that, yes, that's a free call. Once we do that, you can decide or I can decide if we're the right fit for each other because the natural realms, the natural world can do so much to heal us. And, you know, I've really stepped out of the doctor says model because they let me down so much. So I work with a lot of people that maybe mainstream medicine is just not, not clicking with them right now. Um, but having said that, yes, people can find me at www.holisticnaturalhealth.com.au. Now, holistic has a W because I treat using holism, not reductionism. I don't treat anything in isolation. So holisticnaturalhealth.com.au, click on the contact form, send me a contact. I will send you an email with our intake form, our 17-page intake form, because we want to know everything to find that root cause. And then we do the free call, and you'll walk away with that with answers. Whether you work with us or not, you'll walk away at least understanding what's happening inside your body. So that's one thing. And yes, my podcast, A Magical Life, Health, Wealth and Weight Loss. You can find that on all good podcast platforms. 
Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts. We um, put it up on Buzzsprout so you can choose your platform there. And, you know, definitely have a listen to that. Every guest that we have on there offers a freebie. And, uh, you know, I love freebies, so you can get <laughs> Everyone <freebies>. does. <laughs> I don't know anyone that doesn't love a freebie there, Magic. Now, uh, for listeners, this is episode number 263. So go to the show notes and I'll have links not only for Magic's website, the free call, but also a podcast. And, um, yeah, please take her up on that because – uh, your vulnerability and your story uh, to be able to share it all and to be able to, you know, be so positive and um, it's incredible. The world needs more of it and particularly after two years of a pandemic and people, things haven't changed. If anything, what I see in schools and things like that, that people are stuck, they're in no man's land, they don't know what to do and they're just on a treadmill. So, for people like yourself, Magic, to share and be so open about everything you've gone through, how you've overcome it, and to be realistic as well that, you know, you still you still have battles. You know, you're still looking in the mirror and you don't always like what you see, but, you know, you, there are aspects of yourself that you love. And I, I think that's a really important thing. You're not always going to love everything, but focus on the things you do love and you do control. Um, I, I just think people will be able to take so much from today. So please feel free to reach out to Magic. Take her up on that brilliant offer. Um, fill out the thesis, the 17-page form. Give her as much information as she can, um, and I'm sure you will get some results. So, Magic, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, if there's ever been more of a timely interview, um, you know, I, I don't know when it is. So, yeah, thanks so much for everything you provided today. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, everybody.